If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 715. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History, when you do enroll and purchase courses. That keeps this podcast free of charge. Again, we're talking about this week, causes of the Civil War. I've mentioned it. Had a whole podcast on it on Monday. Talked about it yesterday a little bit. You need to get that class. Use the coupon code CAUSES. Get $200 off. It is a great deal. You get me in a way that... Again, you could not get me unless you enrolled at a major university or college. This is a fantastic opportunity. Virtually one-on-one with me in a small environment. You know, and it's a bargain, right? I mean, you, pay, you pay 10 times as much at uh, universities or colleges to take me for a class where you have this kind of access on this topic in particular. So this is a fantastic opportunity for you to get something and really have a, a deep dive into the causes of the war. And we're going to look at it through a historian's perspective. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. So it's a fun class. It's going to be a great class. Starts November 1st. It's six weeks long. We have four Zoom meetings on that. So you're going to want to get in on that. I guarantee you're going to want it. Right. So get it now. Just buy it. I don't know how many times I'm going to offer this. I may not offer it again. And with seeing how these go, we may not have any more live classes. This is a great opportunity to do that. I will have more on-demand content even coming up this year. So look for that as well. But McClanahan Academy is a great way to support the class. You get great content and you keep this podcast free of charge. Also, go to the support tab. Click on that. You can throw a few pennies my way. Click on the super thanks button under the video. If you're watching on YouTube, you can throw a few pennies my way that way. You can buy my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. If you click on the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. Rate it, right? Leave a written review if you're listening to it, just audio format. If you're watching on YouTube, leave that comment. That helps bump the bump it up the algorithm, right? It's, it's great. Uh, share it around on social media. Tell your friends you like it. We want organic growth. I want you to get people involved that you know because that's how we do it. We know a lot of podcasts out there don't really have real listeners. They don't have organic growth. They have people that just stumble across it or... Uh, they buy listens, they buy uh, downloads, they do these things. This is all real. Everything on here, this is our podcast. Everything on here is real. All of you are real. And so that's the great thing about this. We have a real conversation and with real people. All right, let's talk about the topic of the day. I've already talked about this Hazoni book, Conservatism, but there was a, a review of the book in Modern Age that came out uh, just recently. And it's by, uh, it's by Samuel Goldman, who's actually one of the uh, editors of Modern Age now. And Samuel Goldman is a, a political science professor, I think, at George Washington University. 
And he wrote this really scathing review of conservatism. And uh, I, I like it, right? It's, it's a regnery book. I've talked about how I thought there were so many defects in this book. And I had a brief conversation with him on it uh, through, through email. And just like in the review, he said the real problem with this is that, look, uh, if Hazoni had just come out and said, this is how I interpret the documents, this is how I think about conservatism, but not the definition of conservatism or the history of conservatism, that would have been okay. But that's not what Hazoni tries to do. He tries to redefine what conservatism is and the origins of conservatism. And I think that's what Goldman essentially says in this piece. But there's one particular part of it that I want to focus on. And we've been doing a lot with the Constitution this week. Um, it's, it's down the piece and there's one sentence. And I want to focus on that part today. Because this is the real defect in how conservatives interpret the Constitution. And it all goes back to Joseph's story. Now, in my How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America, I have a chapter on Joseph's story. Because Joseph's story is the greatest scoundrel in American legal history for conservatives. He is great for the left. He's great for the left. Because Joseph's story, story figured out how to make a misinterpretation or misconstruction of the Constitution, the proper interpretation of the document, while the original understanding of the document became the false interpretation of the Constitution. Joseph's story figured out how to do that. And it's this sentence. Quote, this is Samuel Goldman saying this now, and I'm going to talk about this in more detail. Quote, it is a curious feature of this interpretation, meaning his ownies, that it is derived less from the advocates of the Constitution than from their opponents. As Azoni notes, it was the anti-federalists who insisted that the Constitution would set up a limited monarchy and Republican drag. In effect, Hazoni argues that the anti-federalists were right in their analysis but wrong in their value judgment. End quote. This is so important. You see, in 1787 and 1788, when the Constitution is signed, September 17, 1787, it comes out of the Philadelphia Convention at the uh, Pennsylvania State House there. And uh, just a couple of weeks later, James Wilson, who was a nationalist, right? This is a guy that really believed we should have a national government, just like we talked about with John Harris yesterday, National government, the states don't matter, popular will, all this kind of stuff, right? I mean, this is what this is what James Wilson really wanted, but he didn't get it. He didn't get it because everyone recognized the real problems with it, which, of course, it always is. But the same thing in 1787 as in 2022. But regardless, James Wilson stands out in the Pennsylvania State House yard, and he makes a speech in October of 1787 when he says, "Look." Here's the thing. Here's what this Constitution does. It preserves essentially the Federal Republic because if it doesn't say the, if the Constitution doesn't say the central government can do it, it can't do it. Yet, on the other hand, if it doesn't say the states can't do it, they can do anything they want. That's the essence of the Federal Republic. That's the essence of the Constitution. It is it. That, in a nutshell, embodies what the Constitution is. And you know what? So many people argue this exact same position. I mean, Tench Cox and a Freeman, right, 
argues this exact same position. He argues that the states have all these powers and the central government doesn't have just doesn't have anything. It can do these specific things and that's it. This was the this was the mainstream interpretation of what the constitution meant from the people who wanted it ratified. On the other hand, you had all of the people who were against it who Goldman calls the anti-federalists. Anti-federalists, I would call them the real federalists, but because they were the people that were advocating a federal government. But you have all these people, opponents of the Constitution, during the ratification process, who said, you know what's going to happen? We're going to get an American king. All right? We're going to get a king. This is why Hamilton wrote Federalist 69. Because you had, and you could point out other people, and if you take my originalist papers classes at McLean Academy, on-demand classes, they're really good. If these live classes go well, I probably will do something on the Constitution too at some point. But, um, but the the originalist papers classes, 101 documents in favor of ratification, you can find all kinds of references to arguments where they knock down this charge that the Constitution was going to create a monarchy. But this is what the opponents of the document were saying. We're going to get a monarchy. We're going to get a consolidated national government where the states are irrelevant. That's what they said would happen. And over and over again, the proponents of the Constitution swore this would never happen. That was one of the main arguments that they had to knock down. A consolidation. Patrick Henry hammered this over and over again in the ratifying convention in Virginia. The sweeping clauses. We're going to get consolidation. And over and over, the proponents of the Constitution in Virginia kept denying this. This is when Hamilton in Poughkeepsie stands up and says, you know what, the states are still going to be a prominent part of this government. They're still going to have a lot of powers. And John Lansing stands up and says, wait a second, Hamilton, that's not what you said in Philadelphia. You said it's going to, we're going to get a king. And, so, and you said the states are just corporate entities. The states are going to be destroyed by this document. Hamilton, no, no, no. That's not what I meant. And of course, this almost leads to a duel. Now, Hamilton did say that. And uh, Yates brought out his notes. It's one of my favorite episodes from uh, from the convention, from the Poughkeepsie Convention. And I talk about it and how Alexander Hamilton screwed up America. But um, the class and the book, you can get either one. They're great. Awesome. They're awesome, right? I mean, look. You got to get McClanahan Academy, okay? I, I, there's so much good stuff out there, and I give all this to you free. Pick up the classes. It keeps the pod, keeps me doing this. It keeps the podcast free of charge. It keeps all that keeps that stuff going. It makes it worthwhile. But you got Hamilton saying, "No, no, no, uh, that's not what I believe." So in essence, the the proponents of the Constitution consistently beat back charges that we're going to have one a national government. They insisted we would not have a national government, and two that we would have an elected king. Those were two of the biggest arguments against the Constitution, and it's why we have the Tenth Amendment, right? So, yours others, of course, we're going to you know there's no protection of civil liberties, and which led to the Bill of Rights. But remember, the opponents of the document said we're going to get consolidation. The opponents of the document said we're going to get a national government. The opponents of the document said we're going to have a president with unlimited powers. Those who opposed it said these are the things we're going to have. Those who supported it 
and argued it should be ratified, rejected every one of these arguments. Right? Hamilton rejected we would have an elected king. Hamilton rejected we had a national government. Madison rejected a national government. We could just, we'll just use the Federalists here. Those two did it over and over again. But there were others, right? Oliver Ellsworth, uh, James Ardell. I mean, it, it, you go down the list. I mean, there, there are all kinds of people out there. Uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing. These are prominent people in their states, in their respective states, saying these things. Tench Cox, just mentioned Tench Cox, James Wilson. This is what they're doing. So I find it fascinating when we have a conservative trumpet, the Anti-Federalist. And where do they get this from? And I mentioned this at the beginning, Joseph Story. Now, Joseph Story was a Supreme Court justice. Joseph Story was appointed by James Madison to the bench. It was one of the great mistakes that he made. And in fact, Kevin Gutzman uh, talks about this in his book on Madison. And he's going to talk about Joseph Story more in his forthcoming book. He's told me that. So I'm really excited about that book. I mentioned before that I don't do interviews on this show, but maybe I would make an exception and have Gutzman on and we could talk about his book and bring up some of this stuff. Uh, because this, these are the things you need to know, right? So, uh, I mean, it's great that he's writing this book. It's fantastic that he's got this coming out there. And again, the more the merrier. we got to have more people out there doing this. And Gutzman's been doing this since he wrote his first book on Virginia. I, I mean... Uh, he is uh, just, he's hammered this home so many times. But if you've never read his stuff, you need to. But Joseph's story really is a problem. Joseph's story, Supreme Court Justice, uh, wrote a series of books on the Constitution, commentaries on the Constitution, where he talks about what the Constitution means, right? And so what he does is exactly what Goldman says Hazoni is doing in this particular book. He flips the Constitution on its head, and he says, you know what? Essentially, the, the opponents of the document were right. The Constitution does create this unlimited power. The Constitution does have all these implied powers. The Constitution does create a national government. The Constitution does consolidate the states, essentially. Now, I mean, he's, he doesn't come out frankly and say this in explicit terms, but this is what he's doing in the book. He takes the arguments from the opponents of the Constitution and makes them the proper interpretation of the document. This is dangerous. And you want to know why? Because Joseph Story is championed as an originalist, right? I see this all the time. You have people like uh, you have people write to me about, say, uh, Amar, who was not an originalist, but he is seen as an originalist because he writes about the document. But he's doing this exact same thing. You see, Joseph Story is not an originalist. Joseph Story is an innovator. Joseph Story is distorting what the Constitution meant when it was ratified by the states, which is the only way we can interpret the document according to James Madison. It's the only way to do it. But yet we've got uh, we've got people like Hazoni now saying that the nationalist interpretation is the only interpretation of the Constitution. Because heck, this is what they this is what the anti-federalists said essentially. It was going to mean 
We're going to have a national government. That was rejected, explicitly rejected in Philadelphia. That was rejected, explicitly rejected in the state ratifying conventions. We will not have a consolidation. This does not create a national government. It doesn't do any of that stuff. It, it maintains the federal republic. The states still have primacy in this government. The states can do everything that's not denied by the central uh, by the Constitution, right? So they can do anything they want, including, by the way, secession and nullification. Those things aren't denied. In fact, you could argue that nullification is born out of the 10th Amendment, which is why you've got the 10th Amendment Center. Michael Bolden and all those guys at Mike Mahari doing great work there. If you're not following them there, you need to. Of course, the South held on to this tradition longer than anyone else, which is why John C. Calhoun comes up with the concurrent majority. He realizes the 10th Amendment doesn't have any teeth. We need to do something, which is, if you like that kind of stuff, you want the Southern stuff, then get the Abbeville Institute, right? Go to abbevilleinstitute.org. That's there. So lots of great people you should be, and, and organizations you should be following besides me. Right? Uh, and of course, I work with the Institute. I, 10th Amendment Center publishes my stuff, but you should read Kevin Goodsman. You should read Kevin Goodsman. Read Kevin Goodsman. Read his books on Madison and Jefferson and this new book on the Virginia dynasty. It's going to be fantastic. His book on Virginia is Politically Incorrect Guide to the Constitution. Who Killed the Constitution? Great books. So, look, the fact is we have, we have people like Hazoni, as Goldman points out, inverting the Constitution. And Joseph's story is the core of that. If you read, read my How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America, again, I have a nice chapter on Joseph's story where I get into detail on this. And, look... There were Republicans, lowercase r, shocked at what Story was doing. And I think Madison overall was disappointed in his choice of Story. Now, why did Story do this? Well, when Madison appointed Story, it was seen as a sectional compromise, right? Story comes out of the North. He's not a Southerner. Um, we needed to have a balance, a union, a real union. Northerners, Southerners on the bench. We got to have these things, right? Balance everything out. And Story was a wild card. He's young. He fell under the spell of John Marshall. Now, uh, Story's sons would always contest that that didn't happen. No, no, no. Story really thought for himself. But I really think that Story didn't really know what to do. He didn't know who he was or what to think. And John Marshall saw this malleable young man, this guy that he could really manipulate and get him into his side. And that's exactly what happened. But the fact is, you know, uh, Story then wrote this commentary. He also taught at a law school. And so this book, and I said, you know, where a story matters, this book becomes one of those books that everybody, if you're a conservative, has to read. You have to read Joseph Story's commentaries on the Constitution. It was a remarkable bestseller. I mean, this book made him more money. His salary as being a law professor and the proceeds, the royalties on this book, made him more money than he ever got sitting on the bench of the Supreme Court of the United States. Which is why he continued to want to do this stuff, right? I mean, so Joseph Story's impact goes far beyond any opinions that he could have written or not written on the bench. Uh, you know, he he just he was a vote for John Marshall, but the more important thing is he codified John Marshall through his commentaries and through his work as a law professor. In fact, if you go to law school you're still going to come in contact with Joseph Story's commentaries on the Constitution. And they were written over 200 years ago, or about 200 years ago, right? 200 years ago, Joseph Story writes this, and we still comment on it. And, and the Heritage Foundation, I believe it's the Heritage Foundation, or, yeah, the Heritage Foundation 
has a Joseph Story Award, or maybe it's the Federal Society, one of the two, has a Joseph Story Award for originalism. For originalism. Can you believe it? This is what they do. They call Joseph Story an originalist. It's a distortion of the term. An originalist would be someone who favored the Constitution and who talks about in a way that the proponents of the document would argue it needed to be interpreted when it's ratified, and that would be federalism. That would be limited powers of the central government. That would be original construction, which is James Wilson and the State House Yard speech. That would be that. But that's not what Hazoni does. That's not what Joseph Story does. And Samuel Goldman points this out quite accurately in this review of Hazoni's conservatism. Now, again, because I talked about conservatism before in the book, I'm not going to go into that in more detail. He, it's a terrible book when it comes to, the, to American history. It's awful. He's cherry-picking. He's distorting. He's doing all kinds of things that would make the book just completely irrelevant, in my opinion. You want to read a real understanding of American conservatism? Well, then go out and get Russell Kirk's conservative mind, which is rather eclectic, but at least he draws in all these different schools in American conservatism and how they all work together to create this real, uh, this unique kind of conservatism in Western civilization. I do think that there is an Anglo-American tradition Right? I do believe that. I think that, I mean, America doesn't exist without that Anglo tradition. This, this idea, and this is Jack Green and his view of the constitution of the empire, that there is the center to do these things and the, and the peripheral does all the other stuff, right? the domestic concerns. That's very important. And of course, our reliance on civil liberties and the English Bill of Rights and the Magna Carta, all that will factor into how we think about government and society and the law all of those things are important. That's the Anglo-American political and legal tradition. However, there was something unique to it. When, when Clyde Wilson and I wrote Forgotten Conservatives in American History, uh, we, we talked about this, how there was a unique American conservatism that had to be preserved. So, And that's why we wrote that book in 2012, a decade ago. You should get that book too if you haven't. It's a great book. I wrote half and Clyde wrote half. It's just a fantastic book. It was, again, a really good book, something that I'm proud of, uh, but uh, didn't get the kind of marketing and other things it deserved. Uh, it just it didn't make it uh, that way. So uh, it's one of those books that it's great, but not as many people read it as it should have read it. All right. Well, I wanted to focus on that one line because it's important that you understand that. This is the key. Anyone that runs around saying we have a nation and they say they're originalists, they're getting that from Joseph's story. They're getting it from a distortion. They call themselves conservatives and they're nationalists. And this is, when we look at the history of America, they're getting, that's a distortion of what it was. It's always been a federal republic. John Harris yesterday is, is more accurate and honest in saying that the Constitution actually preserves these states. This is what it does. Noah Feldman is more honest than Yoram Hazoni. Yoram Hazoni buys into these leftists. You think, again, put them together. Hazoni says we need a national government. Hazoni says we need to break down the states, essentially. The states are a problem. We need a national, one-size-fits-all, one-voice government. You know who else says that? The progressives. You see, they they work together in conjunction because what Hazoni doesn't realize, I guess, or these conservatives, that we're never going to control the center. You want to protect conservatism in America? You want to protect traditional communities and, and beliefs? Then you're going to have to have decentralization. It's the only way forward from this point. Because as Harris points out, if we believe in this, right, well then 
we're going to get 15 states dom uh, dominating America, right? 15 cities, essentially, dominating America. And the rest of America is going to be hidebound to those urban elites. This is Max Boot. Talked about a few weeks back, saying America is left of center. I would say that the majority of Americans probably are left of center. And that in order to protect real conservatism, then you need decentralization. And we should start hammering this home. Conserva Look, decentralization protects minority rights. It protects minorities. We're a minority. Are you in favor of minorities? Well, this is what we are. We're a minority. You should be protecting us. If you believe in minority rights, that's what you'll do. All right. So again, I'm going to make one more pitch on this episode. Get that class, Causes of the Civil War. Uh, it's a bargain at, at, at the price I'm offering it for what you get out of it. If you were, I mean, you were taking this at any college or university, you'd pay 10 times as much. You get access to me directly in a small environment, webinar, and not a webinar, but an actual you know, meeting where you have your microphone on, you have your camera on. It's actually required so you can ask me questions, interact. We're going to have a real interactive environment it's going to be fantastic, and we're going to really dive in, deep dive into what historians said caused the war and look at all these different perspectives. It's such a fun class. I'll see you tomorrow on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.